Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, we've given you so many thanks and praises this morning. But right now, God, I thank you specifically for your word and the truth that is in your word and the truth that you have revealed to us about you. <clears throat> now, as we dig into your word, God, I pray that you will help us to hear from you. Lord, give, give us a, a clear message this morning that we can take it and apply it to our lives so that we can be more like you and we can glorify you to those around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, so we are going through Jonah this morning. We are in our third message in Jonah. Um, if you want to go back and catch up on uh, the first couple ones, um, you can see me and I'll get you the link to the podcast where you can catch up on the, the previous ones. Um, but like I said, this is our third week in Jonah. This is the pathetic prophet. Uh, this week we are in uh, chapter 1, verse 17, all the way through chapter 2, verse 10. So it's a little bit of a larger section, but it's, not, it's still not too bad. Um, and the title of this sermon is In the Belly of the Whale. But what we see here is that Jonah finally repents. Now, Jonah finally repents in this section. Now, I've kind of broken it down into three parts. Uh, the first part I'm calling it seriously, because there are a lot of people who really question the story of Jonah. And so how are we, as intellectually honest people, supposed to take the story of Jonah? Now, in my introduction to this series, I said, you know, Jonah is one of those real popular children's stories that we tell our children. And then we grow up and we kind of have uh, this uh, very vague understanding of what happens in Jonah. Um, we know that he got swallowed by the whale and, and he's in the belly of the whale for three days. But that, that's about it. And then as we grow up, we don't really go back and revisit that topic. Um, so now as adults, I want us to revisit that and have an intellectually honest look at can we really trust this as historical fact, or is this some other way that we're supposed to, to interpret this? And then the, the other two parts are an unlock, unlikely salvation and the repentant heart. Um, so just to recap, Jonah is a prophet who ministered uh, before Israel's exile. Um, go, uh, God calls Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. Now, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he hated the Ninevites. He hated the Assyrians. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and Jonah doesn't want to go there because they, there's some, some bad history between the two nations. So Jonah doesn't want to go. He doesn't want the Assyrians, specifically the, the Ninevites, he doesn't want them to see God's salvation. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, and, and Jonah goes the complete opposite direction. He gets on a boat headed over towards Spain uh, in the complete opposite direction of where God tells him to go. And so God sends this storm, and we talked about this last week, and this storm the sailors are trying to pray to all their other gods to try to figure out what they can do to calm the storm. And they go down and they wake up Jonah, who's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And I, I told you, that just doesn't make any sense to me, how somebody could sleep through something like that. But they go down and they wake him up. And, and he says, well, this storm's my fault. Uh, you know, my God, Yahweh, the real God, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and the wind. He's doing this because I'm going against his will. So Jonah says, just throw me overboard and this storm will stop. Well, they throw him overboard and the storm stops. And then those, uh, the sailors who are there turn from their pagan gods and they worship God. And that's where we pick up this story. Now, there are two main portions that we're going to cover today. The first section, this is the, the narrative portion of, of today's uh, scripture. And this narrative section kind of bookends 
the rest of the, the passage. And that, that other part, the rest of the passage, the second part we're going to talk about is Jonah's prayer. And so we have some narrative details, just kind of progressing the story along. And then we have Jonah's prayer in there. Um, so we're going to hit that first part. Oops, sorry. I already clicked. We're going to hit that first part there. And so it's that, that first verse and the last verse in this section. 117 says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then skipping all the way down to chapter 2, verse 10, it says, The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And see, there are several different miraculous events in the book of Jonah, but this one is the one that is the greatest stumbling block for most people when they look at the story of Jonah. Most of the time, people, when, when you're talking about Jonah, they don't ask, Well, do you really think that God sent that storm on the boat? Or they don't ask, well, do you really think that God caused that plant to grow over Jonah's head? Or, or do you really think that God caused the, the, the worm to eat the plant? They, they don't ask that. They don't ask, well, do you really think that God sent Jonah to Nineveh, they, that he spoke to him to send him to, Jonah, to, to Nineveh? People don't question these types of miraculous acts. They question, well, did, was, did, did Jonah really get swallowed by this great fish? And then they want to get into scientific detail about what the fish was. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But we have two options for interpreting this passage. And they will dictate how we interpret the rest of the book of Jonah. So the question is, did this really happen or did it not? Those are our two options. Did this really happen or did it not? So if it did not happen, then how do we interpret the rest of the passage? Is it allegory? Is it legend? Or is it a parable or just some other type of fiction? But... Um, you know, a lot of people um, last week and, and the week before, especially with us getting into Jonah, had mentioned this uh, story, uh, this news story that happened off the coast of South Africa. The diver's name was Rainer Schimpf, and he was partially swallowed by a whale off the coast of South Africa. Now, while there are some very obvious similarities, I don't really think this gives us any supporting evidence for Jonah. Um, this diver was spat out immediately. He says that uh, he had time to recognize what was going on and time to recognize that he needed to hold his breath. But that was about it before the, the whale spat him out. Um, but scripture says that Jonah was in the belly of, of this great fish for three days and three nights. That's a big difference. So, yes, there are some really neat similarities there, but I don't really know that we can use that as evidence to support, yeah, the well, Jonah actually, historically, actually happened. Our biggest factor in interpreting Scripture, any Scripture, our biggest factor in interpreting what Scripture says is what does other Scripture say about that Scripture, All right? I'm going to say that again. Our biggest determining factor in how we interpret Scripture is what does other Scripture say about that Scripture, now, this is why we are hesitant to build entire doctrines off of one passage, right? We want to find a passage that has that doctrine and then other passages that support it to build a doctrine off of that. So we want to think, okay, well, what does other scripture say about the story of Jonah? We already talked about the, the passage in 2 Kings where it's talking about Jonah as a prophet. So we know that the person Jonah is a historical figure, somebody who actually lived now that means that it's unlikely that it's a parable because parables typically did not use real people. Parables didn't typically even name names. They were very vague in the people or, or, and there, there was very, very rare that they would actually use a name in a parable. But our main, the, the, the main point that we want to look at here in determining what does Scripture say about Jonah is 
Jesus actually references this exact event in Matthew 12, 40. Jesus says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And see, Jesus equates his time in the tomb with Jonah's time in the fish. So now we have to ask, do we believe that Jesus literally died and was in the tomb for three days, or do we try to explain that away somehow? If we believe that Jesus literally died and was in the tomb for three days and that he was God, thus all-knowing and completely honest, then we must interpret Jonah the same way that Jesus does. Since we're talking about it, I want to be very clear here. Jesus died for you. He is God who came to this earth in the flesh to die for your sins, to die for my sins, because he loves us and he wants to be in relationship with us. Faith in him, in his literal life, in his literal death, in his literal resurrection is all that is needed for salvation. Therefore, if we believe the gospel to be true, which we do, and Jesus believed in, a historic, in the historical truth of the story of Jonah, then we must also conclude that Jonah is historical truth and that Jonah was actually swallowed by a large fish and spent three days therein. Does that make sense? There's, there are some other arguments that we could go into about this. And, and if we're talking to people who are not Christians or people who do not believe in the gospel, then this argument doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. But when we are talking to Christians, to people who say they believe the gospel, people who believe that Jesus died and rose again, and then they go back and say that, well, Jonah, yeah, we, we, we probably don't need to interpret that literally. I'm like, oh, I don't know. What does Jesus say about it, right? So our biggest key in interpreting scripture is what does other scripture say about it, especially if Jesus speaks about it specifically. All right, so that's our first point is that seriously, you know, seriously, yes, seriously, we do interpret this literally. So now we're going to get into the other portion here, into Jonah's prayer. Uh, starting in chapter 2, verse 1, says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. See, it says that Jonah called to the Lord. See, up until this point, Jonah has been running from the Lord and doing everything he can do to get away from him. Jonah has been doing everything completely opposite of what God has told him to do. See, Jonah's disobedience comes from his hate for the Ninevites, who God told Jonah to go and preach to. Now he's calling out to God. If we keep reading, we get to see why Jonah had this change of heart. So we'll keep reading here, um, picking up in verse 3. It says, You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. See, we see Jonah here. He's given us a, it's, he's praying to God, but this is a very poetic prayer. And I've been very honest with you guys. Poetry, a lot of times for me, it just, it, it, it's not, it, it doesn't connect with me very well. And it, it just kind of goes right over my head. But Jonah paints a really neat picture for us here. We see him sinking deeper and deeper, both physically and emotionally. He says, you threw me into the depths. So this is him starting above the water. Here, Jonah is recognizing also God's active role in his current situation. And he's not blaming the sailors who physically threw him in there. 
And then he says, the breakers are uh, breakers and billows swept over me. So he's at the surface battling with the waves here. And then he says, the watery depths overcame me. So he's sinking below the surface. He says he sank to the bottom or the, the foundations of the mountains. Now he's all the way to the sea floor, not just physically, but spiritually. I'm sorry, I uh, skipped one. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. Uh, so he's close enough to the sea floor to where he can deal with the, 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 the vegetation down there. And then he says he sank to the foundations of the mountains. See, he's all the way at the sea floor, not just physically, but spiritually. Notice what Jonah says. He says, earth's gates shut behind me forever. Jonah was sure that he was going to die. Jonah had no doubt in his mind that he was going to drown. Now, I love swimming. I, I, I really enjoy being in the pool and, and swimming. But I remember one time when I was younger, um, and I wasn't tall enough to reach the deep end of the pool, um, and I, the, the current kind of swept me over into the deep end, and I, I wasn't a strong enough swimmer to get back. And that panic there, you know, a lot of times it's got that slope. And so I'm trying to walk up the slope, and that, that panic set in that I'm going to drown. It's a scary thought. Or another time when I was at the beach, and I got caught in the, the rip current, and it was trying to take me out to sea, and I'm swimming as hard as, I was a little bit of a stronger swimmer at this point, but I'm swimming as strong as I can, and sometimes it doesn't matter how strong of a swimmer you are, if that current's carrying you one way, you're not going against it. And so I was swimming as hard as I could, and there, I wasn't going anywhere. And I remember my dad came over and grabbed me and pulled me back, but that feeling that you're about to drown, that's a scary feeling. That has to be, in my mind, that, that seems like one of the worst ways to die. Um, but Jonah was sure about his death here. But that's not where the story ends. This isn't where Jonah's story ends. It wasn't he was disobedient to God, and so he drowned in the sea. That's not where it ends. See, God sends salvation to Jonah. Jonah's salvation comes in the oddest form. He's being swallowed by a great fish. See, when we are going through the introduction to the series, I mentioned that this is one of the most popular stories for our children. But a lot of details get missed. Or maybe I just missed this one as a child. When I was a child and I was reading through this or it was being taught to me, I understood the whale or, or this great fish as Jonah's punishment. But it's not. See, this great fish that comes to swallow Jonah, it is his salvation from drowning. See, our God, the, the one and only true God, often provides salvation in the most unexpected ways. See, when the Israelites were being pursued by the Egyptian army, God's salvation comes by means of a dry path through the sea. When the Israelites were hungry and wandering around the desert, he provided salvation in the form of a mystery food called manna that literally translated means, what is this? They had no idea what it was, but God said, here's your food. When Ruth and Naomi were, were left with no means to provide for their own needs, God provides a redeemer named Boaz to marry Ruth and to provide for Naomi. When the Israelite army we're being terrified by a champion warrior, giant. God sent a young shepherd to defeat this Goliath. When the Jews were being persecuted in Persia, he provides salvation through a beautiful young lady named Esther. And see, when all humanity was destined for hell because of our sin, God came down. He was born in a small village to an unwed teenage girl so that he could live a sinless life serving us who rejected him. We or sorry, he went to the cross to provide our salvation. Then he was raised again on the third day, proving his deity and defeating the power of sin and death in one act for any who would call on him. The cross and the empty grave 
are our unlikely salvation. Gnat and the whale is Jonah's unlikely salvation. We keep reading Jonah's prayer. He says, Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord, my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah says, Then you raised my life from the pit. See, Jonah recognizes that this unlikely salvation, this this giant fish who comes along to swallow him, he recognizes that this is from God. It is an act of God's mercy that Jonah is rescued. See, up to this point, Jonah has done the complete opposite of what God has told him to do. But since God is completely holy and perfectly just, he would have every right to put Jonah to death. He would have every right to let Jonah drown and send him to an eternity in hell for his disobedience. However, God chooses to spare him. God mercifully rescues Jonah. And then Jonah says, I will fulfill what I have vowed. See, Jonah is now agreeing to fulfill the ministry that he was appointed to. See, as a prophet of Yahweh, it was his job to take God's message to the people that God told him to. And this is where we see Jonah's repentance. See, repentance means to turn away from something and towards something else. There are two aspects to repentance, what you are turning away from and what you are turning toward. See, Jonah is repenting from his disobedience, but he is also repenting towards the Lord. For us, it's the same process. We repent from our sin, and we repent toward God. Now, this is not necessarily the order. We cannot stop sinning to come to God. We cannot say that we're going to stop sinning and then come to God. We can't wait until we're done sinning and then come to God. It's not an order, turn from your sins and then turn towards God. It is one act, just like two sides of the same coin. As you are turning away from your sin, you are turning towards God. Or you turn away from your sin by turning towards God. There are two aspects to re repentance, but one step. We cannot turn toward God without turning away from our sin. And we cannot turn away from our sin without turning toward God. And then Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord. See, God came to save us from our sin. And he gives us the power to turn away from our sin. And it's only through his power that we can turn away from his sin, from our sin, sorry. On a side note, right there where it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. The root word there for salvation is the same word that is the root word for Jesus' name in Hebrew. Jesus' name literally means salvation from the Lord. This, this sentence right here from Jonah could also be translated Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is from the Lord. So our application point, or our application points, um, we always use uh, three application points, knowing, being, and doing. We get those from our definition of a disciple. Uh, our definition of a disciple comes from Matthew 4.19, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. So from there, we see that a disciple is identified by and growing in three areas, knowing, being, and doing. And that knowing is where Jesus says, follow me. So the knowing is that the disciple has accepted salvation and lordship of Jesus. The being is where Jesus says, I will make. And this is where the, the disciple is constantly being transformed through the gospel and by the Holy Spirit. And then the doing is where Jesus says that we will fish for people or be fishers of men. Um, this is the disciple is doing the work of Jesus. So here um, in our three 
uh, application points, knowing, being, and doing. First is to know that Jonah was literally swallowed by a large fish. Like I said, um, two weeks ago, Jonah, or I accused Jonah of being intellectually inconsistent because he knew that God was omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, meaning that God is everywhere, he is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful, but yet he tried to flee from the presence of God. So in an effort for us to be as intellectually consistent as possible, we must recognize that if we claim that Jesus is God, he is therefore all-knowing, and Jesus equated Jonah's time in the whale with his own time in the tomb, and we believe that Jesus literally died and was raised from the, uh, was raised from the grave, then we must also conclude that Jonah was literally swallowed by this large fish and spent three days inside. So that's our first point, is knowing. Know that this is to be interpreted literally, not figuratively, not as a legend or as a parable or, or allegory or anything else. This is a literal passage. This is historical um, narrative. The second point is to be uh, being. Be rescued by God. Recognize that God rescues in unexpected ways. God provided Jonah's rescue from the sea in the form of a giant fish that swallowed him whole. And God provides our rescue from our sin and eternal punishment in the form of a lowly carpenter who was sentenced to death for a crime that we committed. And finally, in doing, is to repent from your sin. See, repentance is necessary for salvation, but it's not only a one-time thing. As we continue to grow closer to God, He will continue to show us areas of sin in our life. So each step along the way is a step of repentance. Each step along the way, we must repent. We must continue to turn away from our sin by turning towards God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, I thank you for the truth that is in your word. Lord, I thank you for the story of Jonah to show us what it means to repent. God, I pray this morning that you will help us to see the sin in our life so that we can turn away from it and turn towards you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebook.com slash vbchopemills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.